Closing up shop. Yes, we are. Yo, week 11. What's going on here? We're going to close it down right now with some final thoughts. And I know what you're saying. I get some wise guys here and there coming into the comment section saying, you're closing it up. Your final thoughts are on a Friday. There's injuries on Saturday. There's news on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think I don't know this? There's a whole point to the process. So the video actually gets out there and more people can see it. And we'll update some of the stuff on Patreon. And we'll update some of the stuff on the Sunday live stream. So take it easy. Here we are for week 11. The final thoughts video. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to go as we always always do position by position quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end and i'm gonna give you where i am right now i have my point projections i have my ownership projections i have my rankings all done i have the 20 pages right now of game by game notes for week 11 all done up on my other screens around me right now to give you and smack you with the information that you need to know to dominate this slate to win the dollar rooskies because the more informed you are and oh boy oh boy since you've stumbled upon this channel you're gonna be informed trust me you're gonna be informed on this channel right now so you're in the right spot you don't have to go anywhere else and get a bunch of information from mouth breeders out there on the youtube streets you found one that's actually going to talk a mile a minute for you and give you the information that you need to get hit with so you can actually win some dollar skis and start turning around we get the people giving the reviews all the time whether it's on the podcast whether it's in the comment section people find this channel and they enjoy the information and they believe that it helps them and leads them to more victories so welcome to the channel i'm happy that you're here and if you do enjoy this video at any point and if you're not already and you don't know that you aren't subscribe to the channel please do hit the subscribe button hit that like button for me one time the big old one if you listen on the podcast version how those is doing over there if you can take two seconds of your time to subscribe to the channel leaving a five-star rate and review will also allow you to get entered into a week $50 giveaway. Just leave a way for me to contact you. If you're watching the video as well. Might as well go over there. It's free to enter. It takes 30 seconds of your time on the Sal Vetri show, the podcast version of this YouTube show. So, like I said, position by position with all the information that you're going to need to dominate this slate, and maybe not all of it, right? We don't, you, you don't have access to the projections unless you're a patron, then you're following along. A 600 plus of you strong over on Patreon. You can check that out with a bunch of information going out over there. We're going to be referencing my ownership, my projections, my rankings during this show, and a lot of the analysis that I do during the week 20 pages of game by game notes. But before we do, we have to shout out the sponsor of the show, plug the sponsor of the show, Jock Market, where daily fantasy sports meets a stock exchange. What is Jock Market, you might say? Well, that's exactly what it is. It is taking the idea of a stock market, hence the rhyme with Jock Market right there in terms of sports, and smashing it into DFS, daily fantasy sports. So your whole goal is to bid low on players. The window for trading in the IPOs and trying to get these players on your shares, your portfolio, is from 8 a.m. to noon on Sunday, 8 a.m. Eastern time to noon Eastern time p.m. And once an hour before the game start, you get to get your shares. But don't worry, if you get outbid on some of the players that you want, you could also continue to try and make bids for them and also sell some of your players during the entire day and all then into Monday Night Football event of games. It's basically live betting after that. It's basically live trading after that. It's a ton of fun. Your whole goal is to buy low on these players and see their fantasy points and their overall rankings for the week and fantasy points go up. If you end up buying on the quarterback one that week or the overall number one overall player on the slate, if it's a Kyler Murray on that specific week, or hence this week, maybe it's a Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson becomes one of the top three overall players and you buy them as like the 10th ranked player in the pre-rankings, bam, you just got a ton of ROI return on investment in dollar rooskies. And that's what we're going to try and do and help you here. On Sunday's live stream, we'll talk more through Jock Market as the market will actually be open then so we can actually talk through some of the live pricing but you can download the app down below today and if you use the promo code sal10 sal10 all one word my name sal10 you will get a ten dollar free bonus upon your first deposit check it out down below if you like the stock market or if it at least sounds interesting to you the idea of a daily fantasy sports meeting a stock market it's going to be worth your time the app is damn sleek they continue to make updates to it it is state-of-the-art and it's a great user experience check it out link down below 
Jock Market, the proud sponsor of the Week 11 Final Thoughts show. So let's start this bad boy up. I've got six quarterbacks that I'm interested in, nine overall that are in a player pool for me right now. It'll probably be 10 by the end of the weekend comes. I'll end up probably throwing Lamar in there. But right now, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have a minus two pass blocking advantage against the Colts' number 12 pass rush. He's attempting 35 attempts per game. The thing that I like to see, 5.6 deep attempts per game right now. MVS benefited off of those one of those last week for a deep touchdown. Number five in yards per attempt and number one in true pass rating, averaging 286 yards per game against the Colts defense that I would consider highly suspect as we talked about on this Wednesday show when they've actually faced decent teams that aren't named the Jets that aren't named the Ravens yes the Ravens have no wide receivers they're absolutely abysmal in the receiving core that aren't named the Jaguars when they've actually faced decent wide receivers this year whether it's been Pitt whether it's been Cincinnati they've actually struggled Xavier Rhodes is not who uh, people think Xavier Rhodes is from the first three weeks of the season so Aaron Rodgers to Devonta Adams plus either Robert Tonyan as your secondary option in that stack at just 3200 or Alan Lazard making his return today that's where I would go as MVS is now priced up and you're really banging on a boomer bust performance after he's already had kind of back-to-back boomer bust performances on just two touchdowns on two targets two weeks ago and the big 70 plus yard touchdown last week the thing that i like maybe the most about aaron Rodgers that i would not expect much ownership to be coming in on aaron Rodgers this week out of every single quarterback at 6500 or above this week aaron Rodgers i currently have projected as the lowest owned of all of them with almost half the ownership as all of them right now so aaron Rodgers at seven thousand dollars it's a fair price point it's not like he's overpriced he was seventy nine hundred dollars last week i think that aaron Rodgers is firmly in play and a nice lower owned stack for green bay is going to be a nice way to get leverage off of Devontae Adams ownership that always comes in. Aaron Rodgers lower on this week. He's a yes for me. Next up, we have Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going to be going in a matchup against the Jets, which the only thing you could really say here is, do they just get out big enough that Kalen Balazs sees 25 carries and Herbert's not thrown 35 times? He's thrown like he did last week, 32. Or maybe he doesn't even get into the 30s, which he's only done one time this season. He has a positive six pass blocking advantage against the Jets, number 20 overall pass rush. He's attempting 38 attempts per game right now. 5.1 deep per game is top five in the NFL. And last week, week 10 was his worst real life game right 187 yards by far the lowest he's seen this season just 5.8 yards per attempt the first time he's been below six yards per attempt this season but he still ended up getting in on the ground and he had two passing touchdowns so even in his worst real life game he was still the quarterback nine with 21.5 points the stacks here Keenan Allen Brian Poole who's been a very good a top 10 overall cornerback in the slot the only good piece of that secondary this year maybe you can say um, May as well has been okay for the Jets in the secondary but the only good cornerback has been Brian Poole and he's now done for the season they put him on IR it seems like he's out for the year he plays the slot Keenan Allen in the slot like 40 something percent of the time so expect Keenan Allen to be the number one option here in these stacks with Herbert number two Hunter Henry for me to get a tight end in there Mike Williams and then also Jalen Guyton will be in my groups for me as well Justin Herbert right now expects to be picking up ownership as it stands it's very close but I have Justin Herbert projected to be as of right now as the week is early the highest owned quarterback I expect that to maybe go down as the week goes on or maybe settle out with a couple of other guys but he's going to be the highest owned I probably pivot to Aaron Rodgers and a little bit more of those but I usually get a good amount of Justin Herbert these last couple of weeks he usually comes up in 15 to 20 percent of my lineups so I'm expecting right now to be getting some Justin Herbert just because the stacking options are so consistent and so damn cheap. Another guy that I figured to get a lot of usually often is Deshaun Watson. And last week that jumped down when the game total went down by a touchdown. Their team total went down by a touchdown. This week he has a positive 48% pass blocking advantage as he has the seventh all overall offensive line as New England only gets their tied for 27th in pressure rate at 26%. New England ranks 10th in terms of how many yards they allow to their opponents. So they are limiting passing yards to just 224 per game. Stefan Gilmore potentially will return in this game. So that's where the difficulties come in in terms of your stacks and the reason why I believe that Deshaun Watson is not going to be higher owned as of right now. I was expecting to see Watson 15% owned. I currently have him 
at 9.3 in our Patreon projections for ownership and points. I have him projected for 23 points and 9.3 ownership. That's linked down below, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore battery underscore to follow along and gain access to all the tools, all the information that's going to give you a smacky with it, first of all. It's going to give you a better competitive advantage over your opponents by far when you have this information and they do not. So come join the community and the family and welcome home. I'll welcome you home. Let me know when you're here so I can welcome you home, open the front door to Patreon and welcome you in to the Discord where we are all chilling out, relaxing, maxing all cool. But yes, 33 attempts per game right now at a Watson. You're seeing a 50% deep completion, which is sixth overall in the NFL, which is good to see because he is targeting downfield and he's been efficient. He's been very good, especially since the firing of Bill O'Brien. 8.4 yards per attempt is tied for second in the NFL, only behind Kirk Cousins uh, before you adjust those yards per attempt right now. He's top 10 in basically every single air yard metric. He's eighth overall in passing yards, and that's including a terrible weather game last week. So Deshaun Watson to Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and also and also a very sneaky player at $3,600 is Randall Cobb that I do like because he's arguably might have the best matchup against Jonathan Jones in the slot. You're going to have JC Jackson on the outside, probably against maybe a Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller. And then if Stefan Gilmore returns, the other wide receiver on the outside, probably Will Fuller, sees some Stefan Gilmore. Now, Gilmore has not been great this year and he's been banged up, so it doesn't scare me off of them that much. Watson is a yes for me. Next up is going to be Matt Ryan, who seems to be getting lower ownership than he should. And this game in general is, is as of right now on Friday, not picking up that much ownership. It is a 51 and a half total, the highest total on the slate. And for some reason, it's not picking up ownership. I get it. There's a lot of expensive pieces in this game. The guys that you want on the Atlanta side of the ball, if Calvin Ridley is healthy, they're expensive. Julio Calvin Ridley. The guys that you want on the Saints, they're expensive. And Alvin Kamara, and not a lot of people want to play him this week relative to Dalvin Cook. And then there's $7,300 Michael Thomas, who's also expensive. But Matt Ryan, as of right now, not picking up that much ownership. I have him as one of the lower owned plays, and he's rivaling. I think it's going to pull up the next couple of days, but he's potentially going to be our that one due to the quarterback position. A 23 and a half team total. He's going to be playing as an underdog in this one. I'm not that scared of the New Orleans secondary. You get Matt Ryan throwing 39 attempts per game, second most in the slate, only to Joe Burrow. He has 305 passing yards per game. That is by far the highest on the slate by about 15 over anybody else. Uh, next up will be Justin Herbert, the rookie. His pass blocking ranks 25th, and now he gets to go up against New Orleans pass rush. That's around average 14th overall with a 29% pressure rate. Uh, New Orleans is also average in terms of how many passing yards they allowed to the opposing quarterback this year. On average, they rank 15th with 234 per game. So basically an average passing secondary, if anything, with the skill set at wide receiver and tight end that Matt Ryan's going to have in this one, probably an above average situation for them overall. Matt Ryan is first in completed air yards downfield and second in overall air yards attempted. So I like Matt Ryan a lot this week. Uh, I expect to get a good amount of him. Yes, he's not going to be the mobile quarterback, but you would expect, especially as a four and a half point underdog here in a dome that you're going to have upside. Now, Calvin Lee has been practicing in a limited fashion. If you want to play Julio plus Calvin Ridley, it's going to be expensive. It seems like the most ideal Matt Ryan stacks, if you want to go full on game stack, is going to be picking one of Julio or Calvin Ridley. And Marshawn Lattimore has not had success against Julio Jones. You're thinking of Mike Evans there if you're talking about goose eggs. Julio Jones for basically since the rookie year of Marshawn Lattimore, for the most part, has gotten the best with over 100 yard games, touchdowns in those games as well of Marshawn Lattimore. So I'm not worried about Marshawn Lattimore in this matchup. So I think some of your best stack options, for example, would be like a Julio Jones plus Hayden Hurst, who's one of the best tight end options of the entire week this week when there's not that many great ones, put him into the stack in the correlation and the upside there. And then running back with a Kamara, Michael Thomas, I would prefer to have Michael Thomas as my first run back option. So $6,300 Matt Ryan's in play. Two more yeses for me. Jameis Winston is not picking up ownership. And I understand why. I have concerns. We talked about the questions on Wednesday. The questions are what happens if Taysom Hill gets uh, 10 snaps at quarterback and he, he has eight pass attempts, a couple of rush attempts, something crazy. Also, this is not the same offense as last year as attacking downfield and you could be aggressive and you have the pass catchers that are going to get open downfield, like Goblin in the middle of the field, like on the outside, also having Mike Evans, who's a great downfield receiver 
receiver. They don't have anything like that in New Orleans. They have a short receiver who dominates like Devontae Adams does between the zero and 15 yard marks in Michael Thomas. They have unproven Traquan Smith going downfield who doesn't get that much separation. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who's very similar to Michael Thomas, but just a lot older in terms of not going that far downfield. So this is going to be your concern for Jameis Winston. How does he mesh with this offense? But if nobody's going to own him, I currently have Jameis Winston coming in at 2% owned. If nobody wants to own Jameis Winston this week, well, then I'm slowly going to actually have him at 1%. Owned. Well, then if the risk is already baked into the ownership percentage and you're actually getting a ton of upside if Jameis Winston goes off, well, then I'm going to be getting there. It seems like everybody's talking about Jameis Winston this week, myself included on Wednesday, but basically leading with the caution of Jameis Winston this week. And that makes sense. But they have a 28 overall implied game total, team total that is, which is second highest on the slate. Uh, yes, they're four and a half point favorites, but Atlanta secondary, they give up the most yards per play on the entire season. As long as Jameis Winston is 80% of what he was last year, and now he has actually Michael Thomas back there and Alvin Kamar, depending on how much he'll check down and other decent receivers, including tight end Jaron Cook, I think that Jameis Winston, if he's not going to be owned, is somebody that I want to get to. As of right now, I do prefer Matt Ryan more. And so does the ownership overall with Matt Ryan coming in three times as owned as Jameis Winston as of Friday morning. Hell, give me some Jameis Winston stacks in there with Michael Thomas. Your question then is who is your secondary option? I would probably go Jared Cook just to secure the tight end position. And then your runbacks are all over the place. You can go five man stacks here. You can bring it back with Calvin Ridley. And if you can fit it in since Winston and Jared Cook are cheap, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. So I think there's a lot of ways to stack the game that right now as the highest overall team total or game total on the slate of 51 and a half, it's not picking up any ownership at the quarterback position. So I think it's a really nice spot to obviously target based on what Vegas is telling us. We rarely see this happen. And then lastly, my final yes is going to be PJ Walker as of right now. Look, Teddy Bridgewater is considered uh, extremely day-to-day. On Thursday, he was limping at practice and not taking all that much time in the practice. So $4,800 PJ Walker projects out as my number one point per dollar play because of how cheap he is. I haven't projected for 18 fantasy points as of right now. But in his matchup against Detroit, if PJ Walker does start, I do believe pretty firmly here that he would be a fine GPP option to stack up with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Those guys have not been running a lot of plays the last two to three weeks. That's why they haven't been getting there on their projection standpoint. But I have both those wide receivers projected highly. I have Mike Davis again projected highly. DJ Walker, or as some of us know him from the XFL as Philip Walker, absolutely dominated there. Totally different defenses that he was playing. But this is a guy who has mobile upside. This is a guy who was actually very accurate on deep ball passing in the XFL. At $4,800, this is a legit quarterback with a lot more games under him as a starter than people are going to realize because of his time in the XFL. If Teddy Bridgewater is indeed out, he would become one of the guys that I start to look towards to punt at the quarterback position this week in terms of my cash lineups. Again, I don't play cash, but this is if you do play cash, but also in GPPs, I think that the Carolina stacks become very easy to get to. And then you can easily pay up at the running back and wide receiver position for a lot of the studs. Final interest that I won't have too much uh, time to really break down here, Cam Newton. I like him a lot, but he's mainly just going to be like a naked quarterback. You stack him up with just Jacoby Myers. You run it back as well then uh, with any of those wide receivers from Will Fuller, Brandon Cook, Randall Cobb. So it's mainly a one-man stack there. So I have a little bit less interest. Joe Burrow, lower team total, 22 and a half, keeps me away in a tougher matchup against against Washington. And then two, it's just a stacking reasons here. Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker. It's hard to see a full-on go stack there in a tougher matchup as well against Denver. Two of the toughest matchups on the Slater, matchups for Burrow and Tua today. So the main quarterbacks I like, Rodgers, who's going to be lower owned, Herbert, who should be picking up a lot of ownership, Watson, who should be picking up decent ownership, uh, Matt Ryan, Walker, and Winston. Ryan right now and Winston, I expect their ownership to come up, but right now it's nowhere near where it probably should be for the game that has a fantastic game environment. Let's now move over to the running back position. And as we move over now to the running back position, I'll just let you know again that we do have a podcast, the podcast version. You might be listening to it right now. The Sal Betri Show on iTunes, you can find it. And also on Stitcher, you can find it. The Sal Betri Show if you're on an Android device for Stitcher. If you leave a review, I do a $50 giveaway once a week. And maybe I'll start putting it on my fleet just to let you know who won. Just leave a way for me to contact you, whether it's an email, whether it's a Twitter, an Instagram, whatever it might be to let you know that you were the winner for this specific 
specific week, you just leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice that you like about the show, because that's the main way to get word of mouth marketing out there about the podcast. When you leave a review and you subscribe, it jumps up the rankings. Right now, we're like 34th out of all podcast rankings, which is very good as the little one-man band that we are here battling up, punching up our weight class towards all those ESPN and CBS guys who just dominate the top 10 with their huge corporate and huge backings of all these different uh, investors and things like that. And it's just little old Sal here trying to get make his way and make his headlines into that. So the best way to do so is if we could bring the community together and just take a minute of your time, really, and then a little bit of a reward potentially for you for that $50 giveaway weekly. So thank you so much in advance. And so now we're at the running back position. You can see right here my interest at the running back position. It's just a really long laundry list of interests. And we have to start it off with acknowledging the fact that on Thursday, DeAndre Swift got put into the concussion protocol. He practiced on Wednesday. So what does this tell you? Well, one, it either tells you that he practiced with a concussion on Wednesday from the game on Sunday that he kind of got delayed symptoms from. I actually had a concussion for a whole entire year, about 14 months. I was in post-concussion syndrome, which was by far an, a grueling and a terrible mental experience. It was awful. And yes, my symptoms didn't come on for about three days. So there's a real chance that he played on Sunday, got a concussion, and his symptoms started coming on Wednesday night. That's exactly what happened to me. I didn't have symptoms for three days or so. So there's a chance he got concussed in practice one, or that these symptoms just came on a little bit later on. Either way, getting put into the concussion co protocol on Thursday and expecting to get cleared for that by Sunday morning is something that seems a little bit risky here at this point or Saturday afternoon. So DeAndre Swift right now, you, have, you see him on yellow if you're watching on YouTube, is highly in question. I'm not going to take him out yet because look, they still have practice Friday. They still have Saturday walkthroughs and things like that. So there's a chance that he can actually be ruled in. But also worth pointing out that DeAndre Swift, I currently have projected as the highest projected player on the slate at pushing 30 plus percent ownership. So if he does play, there's a good merit to fading him him being a little bit banged up, but I expect his ownership to drop either way now. So there's a little bit of a positive here in terms of if he does play, it might halt some of this ownership. If it doesn't halt the ownership though, there's so many pivot options here. Now DeAndre Swift by far is my best overall 6K projected running back, but that's why he's picking up 30 plus percent ownership. But we're going to get into a lot of the pivot options in the 6K range, the bottom of the 7K range. There's literally like five or six guys right around this price point or at his exact same price point in terms of James Robinson that are worthy of pivots that James Robinson, no ownership this week. I get it. He's facing Pittsburgh, but in so many other tough matchups as a big underdog, he's been able to put up 16 plus fantasy points. And now he's going to be, let's see, a 15th of the ownership, right? 15 times the ownership is what DeAndre Swift is currently coming in on James Robinson at the exact same price point. And I have them only a difference in points of a point and a half right now, two points or so. So that's a potential pivot spot if you're building a chalky lineup. Now, maybe we don't even have to worry about this. Maybe if DeAndre Swift is out, it's Adrian Peterson and carry on Johnson season, which at that point, I honestly don't have much interest in either of those running backs. So then a lot of our ownership will get filtered through to some other guys. We'll start it off with Dalvin Cook at the top, who is going to pick up ownership. And as of right now, it's not to an extreme extent. Like a lot of the ownership is coming in on Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Christian McCaffrey is due out. You're going to have Dalvin Cook right now facing the number 29 run defense in Dallas. He's going to come into this one as almost a 10 point favorite. He's seeing 22 attempts, which is right now top three in the NFL and three targets per game. He's seeing four red zone touches per game right now, which is top five in the NFL and leading the NFL and rushing with 119 yards per game. He has, he's had a bye week and he's missed one and a half weeks right now. And he already leads the NFL in yards created with 459 and evaded tackles with 69. This guy's an absolute beast. Now playing Dalvin Cook as the absolute chalk, I currently haven't projected out for over 25% ownership is going to be a concern here. So you have to get different elsewhere in your lineups. Now I faded Dalvin Cooks a couple weeks back after his big four touchdown game against the Packers. And the week after that, he ended up coming in in a smash spot yet again. I think it might've been against Detroit. He ends up coming in with 30 plus percent ownership and he goes off yet again. And it sunk a lot of my lineups, but I think that no matter what you do this week, I think it's okay to fade Dalvin Cook. It might even be optimal if he starts pushing 35% to fade Dalvin Cook because there's clear pivots. There's similarly priced Alvin Kamara, who's currently coming in with about 10% less ownership. There's similarly priced and a little bit cheaper, Derrick Henry. But I honestly 
don't want to be playing Derrick Henry either way. But if Derrick Henry right now, as my projections are going to be stating, is coming in with this low of ownership, 5% ownership, if you're going to have seven times the amount of ownership on Dalvin Cook, I don't think Dalvin Cook is seven times as good of a player as Derrick Henry. I'd say that he's probably four times as good of a player or so. So if it was 20% Dalvin Cook to 5% Henry, that seems efficient. But right now, it seems like there's merit to pivot to Derrick Henry or just starting your lineups in the 6K range because there's so many 6K running backs that look good and we're going to get into those. So Dalvin Cook looks fine. If you want to play him, that's fine. I probably try and start all of your cash lineups with Dalvin Cook, which really you should just be playing one overall cash lineup in all your different contests, in my opinion. And then I would probably suggest against if you're playing in any single entry or three maxes, probably suggest against if DeAndre Swift was to play. I wouldn't play Dalvin Cook plus DeAndre Swift together unless you're getting really different elsewhere because now you're looking at two guys in your lineup that are going to be 30 plus percent owned. And that's just really hard to get that right more times than not and win a tournament rather than just pivoting elsewhere and hoping that one of your other guys performs similarly at a tenth of the ownership. So Cook and Swift are the two best running back plays on the slate. If you're playing cash and they're both healthy, meaning Swift, then go ahead and put them in there. But as of right now, I would lean to get to Dalvin Cook over DeAndre Swift's ownership, but I also am fine just fading that range entirely, maybe going to Alvin Kamara for a little bit less owned, who I have interest in, or maybe just starting our lineups in the six and five K range and paying up everywhere at wide receiver and potentially paying up at quarterback as well. My third yes is going to be Duke Johnson, who just dusted everybody last week. He's questionable for week 11 with an illness, but expects to play. David Johnson is still out with a concussion on the IR. He's going to have a decent run blocking advantage around plus three to plus five percent. His run blocking is not good overall, though, at 27th, but New England's run defense is terrible. They rank 30th overall. They do rank fifth in tackling, though. Johnson in week 10 played 94% of the snaps, saw all the usage, 14 carries for 54 yards, and you should expect around four or five targets moving forward from him. He's just $5,400. His 1.85x multiplier in Super Draft looks good as well. Duke Johnson not picking up all that much ownership because he burnt a lot of people last week. I would expect somewhere around 12 to 15% owned. That's where I currently have him in the range right now. Next up is Mike Davis, who was $4,000 last week. Sal, you expect me to pay right now after he's $4,000, $6,800 for him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely in play here. I think he's a pivot potentially off of DeAndre Swift for like maybe half the ownership or less at this point. So I think that Christian McCaffrey is expected not to play. We can just say that he's out everywhere saying that he's not going to play this week, including his own coach. The Panthers will have a positive run blocking advantage against Detroit this week, who is not good. They ranked 23rd in run defense and 29th in tackling this year. And what you're getting out of Mike Davis is somewhat concerning numbers, less than 55% of the snaps last week. But let's keep in mind that Trent Cannon only got involved because you ended up getting Mike Davis hurt in the fourth quarter. So he probably would have played around 60 or 65% of the snaps, but that's still a lot less than he was playing earlier in the year when he was playing 80 plus to 90 plus percent of the snaps because Curtis Samuel was in the backfield taking a lot of carries. Rodney Smith, Rod Smith came out of nowhere to take some of the carries. So that is a concern for Mike Davis. He did get the targets five. We haven't seen that eight or nine target game in about a month plus now, but at $6,800, I do think that he's in play because he's going to be a bounce back candidate from last week. And that means lower ownership after he burnt everybody and now is a lot more money and a very good matchup against Detroit here. And if you get PJ Walker to start, I think that is still fine. I think that PJ Walker was targeting his running backs with the Houston Roughnecks a decent amount, not a ton, but a decent amount. They usually were just targeting downfield wide receivers, had like no tight ends, pretty famously on the roster in Houston for the XFL. So Mike Davis is in play, maybe making him a yes is a bit aggressive to this point, although I do like the fact that he's coming in lower on, so we can put him back to a maybe. But this is the thing, this entire like range right now of my maybes and the six and Aaron Jones being the one guy in the 7k range, they all look so similar in my projections. They basically are all projecting out between 15 and like 16 and a half fantasy points. And they're all just a difference of like 100 or $200. So Alvin Kamara is the one guy who's an ownership discount right now. Uh, he's in a different price range, so we can touch on him at 9200 He's more expensive. He'll probably come in 10% less on right now than Dalvin Cook, I have it as. He's questionable with a foot injury for week 11, so just track that. He'll have a positive 22% run blocking advantage this week against the Falcons, who rank 20th in run defense and 23rd in tackling. Kamara is seeing 35 red zone attempts this season, which is fourth over on the NFL. We know his 26% target share is elite, number one. The questions are, what does Jameis Winston do to that? And that's why 
you're going to see a little bit of a drop off compared to Dalvin Cook, who's a 10 point favorite against Dallas this week. So Kamara is in play for me, potentially a pivot option. I'd say he has currently the highest overall team total on the slate or tied for the highest right now with Pittsburgh, depending on the sites that you look at. Aaron Jones is fine as another bounce back option. Everybody's jumping up and down about Aaron Jones last week when the guy did as much as you possibly could. I mean, he plays his normal 66% of the snaps, 18 touches for 95 yards. He's a couple points away from getting you the bonus. And if he ends up getting in the end zone on one of those goal line or red zone touches, then you're not worrying about him with his 20 plus point performance. But people are going to jump off of Aaron Jones this week because he burnt them as well last week at higher ownership. Expect Aaron Jones to be less than 10% owned and somebody that I'm fine to get back to. And he does have a good run defense, but it is a positive 14% run blocking advantage for the Packers really good offensive line and with Aaron Jones behind them. And now there's just an array of guys from Miles Sanders on here who got snubbed last week after running really good to James Conner, who it seems like nobody wants to play James Conner after a really bad game environment two weeks ago when it was Dallas and they got trailing in that one. So he couldn't get much carries at all. Then last week where they didn't even use the running backs at all. It was just passing, passing, passing all game, even when they were up late. So does that happen again? Or do they get back to the run a little bit here? So I'm just going to say they get back to the run in this matchup. I do like James Conner against Jacksonville. They're 10 point favorites, the biggest spread on the entire slate. The Steelers this week, they rank 31st in run blocking. Not good. But lucky for them, Jacksonville ranks 14th in tackling and around middle of the pack and run defense in general. And it looks to be a little bit of a fluky and fraudulent run defense and total defense this year from Jacksonville. They're getting about 15 carries per game so far out of James Conner. He ranks overall 11th in rushing and he ranks 9th in evaded tackles, which is good to see, even considering that he was banged up and hurt. Top 10 in overall yards created. So he was banged up. He missed a game as well. And he's all the way up there in those efficiency metrics. So it is encouraging to see that he's actually performing well this year. One, one, he's on the field. And two, they actually give him opportunities. So seeing 17.7 opportunities per game, if we can just get back back to that as a 10 point favorite here. James Conner, who's been our that one dude a couple times this year is threatening that one dude territory at his low ownership. I like James Conner at 6,600. I think he's a potential pivot off of DeAndre Swift. I, he- I hope Swift does play. So on my single entries, I can maybe make that pivot. And then there's a bunch of other guys in this range. There's Ezekiel Elliott, who looks like he's going to get Andy Dalton back, which isn't a blessing or a saving by any means compared to Dak Prescott. But I would expect it to be better for sure than Ben DiNucci. And uh, even though he ended up seeing a decent game out of uh, Gilbert, I think it's still going to be better for Zeke with Andy Dalton, who has a positive 15% run blocking advantage against Minnesota who ranks number 22 overall in run defense. He saw a season low in snaps in week nine, but still had 20 touches. And look, he's still getting the work in the last two games before the bye week, 42 total opportunities. So that's good to see. Even if his snaps are coming down slightly, he's still getting all the work. So I think Zeke is somebody who's going to be virtually unowned this week, probably below 5% owned. That also stands out as a pivot off of the 30 plus percent on DeAndre Swift. If he does indeed play, we talked about James Robinson at the start, tough matchup, but still continues to just get hammered with work and hammered with red zone usage. 22 opportunities per game right now uh, is top six overall on this and now he's priced at the exact same price point. If you have my NFL course, you can find it linked down below in the description for DFS. The NFL talk course talks about same price syndrome and how that mentally and emotionally, the emotional betting and psychological side of DFS and sports betting, whole part on that, whole chapters on that in the course. 10 plus hours discussing data, discussing strategy and all this type of stuff, bankroll. And if you have the same price, everybody's going to gravitate towards one guy, whether it's just their psychological side of it, they're going to gravitate to usually the guy who has had a better recency bias, and they're just going to gravitate to the guy who seems like the sexier play. Everybody's doing that with DeAndre Swift, who currently I projected for 36% ownership to James Robinson's 2% ownership. DeAndre Swift does not outscore 18 times the amount of times out there than James Robinson. He's not 18 times a better play than James Robinson this week. It's not even close. I have them separated by less than two fantasy points. So James Robinson would be the ultimate price leverage, one of the most and best price leverages at the exact same price point that we've seen on the season. Now you start to get to below the $6,000 range outside of the guy that we already mentioned in Duke Johnson at $5,400. We have Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. I would prefer JD McKissick. 
obviously the 29 targets is what everybody's talking about everywhere this week they have a positive 27 percent run blocking advantage this week against the Bengals, who rank 25th in run defense so gibson's firmly in play as well you're just not getting any passing game usage i'd rather rely on the guy who's getting the passing game usage in right now mckissick giovanni bernard as you still have not had joe mixon playing this week looks like he's going to be at least a decent play if joe mixon does indeed get ruled out right now giovanni bernard is going to have a negative 11 run blocking advantage if there is no mixon he has the top 11 overall run blocking unit washington ranks 10th in run defense and 10th in tackling so that is your concern here now giovanni bernard in week 10 did not play that well eight rushes for 30 yards because pirine is getting more involved and he ended up seeing four catches for 17 receiving yards but he did have seven targets he's had two 20 point weeks in the last previous two weeks before last week so seeing the seven targets was good to see seeing the overall like i believe it was only eight fantasy points 8.7 fantasy points was not that good to see but it is going to lead to lesser ownership especially because kalen balage is priced right next to him kalen balage is right now threatening to be 20 plus percent owned this week and that's just something that i can get away with by going to duke johnson as a pivot right in the same exact price range where kalen balage is 5600 going to one of the washington running backs or even giovanni bernard there's enough pivots off of kalen balage that i don't have to go there if you're talking cash game sure jackson is still in the ir week 10 he became the workhorse kalen balage in week nine we started to see it a little bit 18 opportunities led to 84 yards and a touchdown was very inefficient but was getting the work and then in week 10 74 percent of the snaps 18 attempts not just opportunities five receptions on six targets so he had 24 opportunities workhorse back usage 102 total yards he was the running back 15 it is very hard to ignore because if he gets 20 plus opportunities again there's a good chance he scores a touchdown and if you're getting 20 opportunities a couple of them being receptions a touchdown and like 80 total yards you're looking at 20 plus fantasy points for a guy who's way 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 mispriced them at fifty six hundred dollars i have projected out decent close to 14 fantasy points right now but i also have duke johnson for more fantasy points jd mckissick and giovanni bernard for less than a half a point fantasy point difference i have right now antonio gibson for more fantasy points in my projections link down below on patreon so the fact that right now you're getting a ton of ownership on caitlin balage and also a decent amount of ownership early on coming in on damian harris and you're not getting you're getting half the ownership on gibson you're getting half the ownership on duke johnson and jd mckissick you're getting virtually no ownership currently on giovanni bernard i'm fine if this ownership is going to stay high check in on patreon as the weekend goes on and we update it and also on the sunday uh show the live show on youtube and the sh- sunday patreon show where we go for through our stacks our game theories all the stuff in terms of groups and how to use the optimizer and just how to really set your lineups up to be the best correlated and the best to take down your opponents and not just looking for the most fantasy points yes that's a that's a good thing to have but you're trying to beat your opponent score more than your opponent's fantasy points what's the easiest path to doing that uh just trying to say i want to have the most fantasy points in my lineup usually means you're building a bad lineup for gpp so balaj is another pivot potential i have all these guys who are chalky cook would be the one that i'm not worried about pivoting off of swift and balaj with their current ownership does lead me to want to pivot a little bit let's now move to the wide receiver position well i will remind you yet again to check out patreon link down below it's where i have all of my uh, extra and premium tools the more informed you are the more tools you have the more stuff that you have at your fingertips that your opponents don't just picture yourself going into war right you're buckling up you're going into war you're loaded with rifles you're loaded with uh, ballistic shields and all this other stuff to protect you and your opponents are sitting there they're sitting there with their water gun right that's what's happening when you're going in with all the patreon with all the information whatever it might be that you're going to have all the analysis all the data all the information all the stuff about how to build optimal lineups with the ownership and rankings that stuff can be found linked down below on patreon patreon.com backslash sal underscore vetri underscore what are you waiting for go dominate the people and come join the community one of the most underrated things about patreon if you're a priority or hall of fame member is actually having access to the discord where people non-stop that are like-minded and are currently learning and have been in there for almost a year for a lot of these people maybe even more than that are actually going to be continuing to get better and they can help you get better as well as myself being in there next up the wide receiver position so some of the top guys i'm not going to go in depth about you know how good they are uh you can look at the patreon game by game notes to get the analysis on them uh guys like Devonte adams right michael thomas yes there's questions around him michael thomas is not picking up ownership Devonte adams sure he's going to always pick up ownership but we already talked about how aaron Rodgers is not picking up all that much ownership so if adams comes in with his normal like 15 to 20 plus percent ownership i'm not as concerned because if i'm playing adams 
there's a good chance I'm going to stack them up with Rodgers and Rodgers isn't picking up ownership. So I don't have to worry too much about the ownership of my overall lineup then because the stack will be low owned. Michael Thomas is likely going to have a matchup against Kendall Sheffield, which will be a positive 64% matchup against Atlanta. If not the best, one of the best matchups on the entire slate. He lines up a third of the time in the slot so far this year. Then he lines up about 25 to 30% of the time on each side of the other sides of the field. So we will see some Isaiah Oliver and some AJ Terrell, the rookie, but it'll be fine. He's seen a 21% target share this year, but he can throw a lot of that out the window as now Jameis Winston is going to be in there. $7,300 Michael Thomas. As I said, nobody's owning Jameis Winston. Not a lot of people are owning Matt Ryan. So there's not a lot of stacks of that game currently as it stands on Friday. And Michael Thomas is going lower owned than he should. Now he's not going to be 5% owned, but he's probably going to be 15 or less percent owned this week. And the number one matchup of the week against the Atlanta secondary, again, the most yards per play allowed, 6.4 per play. Both of the receivers right now, as I can put up, both of their numbers are on the screen right now, as you see for the Tennessee Titans. And honestly, all three of them I have interest in. You can see all three are yeses on the screen as it stands. Sal, how do you have Randall Cobb as a yes? Look, I'm not dying to play Randall Cobb. It's just that he's cheap and he fits into my stacks. Rarely do you have guys that are very cheap that see actual targets. Randall Cobb this year is seeing decent target share in the season with over five targets per game. Rarely do you have a guy that you can put into a stack you feel confident in and comfortable with like Deshaun Watson's Texans, and he's going to be seeing over five targets per game. That is not something that you normally see, that he is going to see over 10 fantasy points per game in the 3K range. So yes, I have interest in Randall Cobb. The last couple of times that I've stacked up this team, uh, especially when they faced the Packers and it was a revenge game for Randall Cobb, I had about 12, 15% Randall Cobb. That felt good because he was actually the number one receiver that week from a yardage standpoint. So all three of these guys are in play for me. Will Fuller likely see some Jason McCourty if indeed there is not going to be Stefan Gilmore. Fuller's 21% target share and over 20% red zone target share is good to see because when you combine that with his downfield air yards completed, which is top 10, his top 12 overall yards per target, he's getting both the downfield targets, which are big upside and play into his skill set, but also the red zone targets as well. Brandon Cooks, or as I like to call him, the number one wide receiver on the Texans has been fantastic. Eight plus targets in his last five games. It's gone 12, 9, 9, 9, and 8. Even in the win game last week, he ended up seeing eight plus targets as well. He's averaging so far this year, top 15 in overall yards after the catch, which is good to see. He'll probably see JC Jackson, which is a tougher matchup, but JC Jackson just got roasted left and right by Bashad Perriman. So I'm okay going there. And then Randall Cobb, like we talked about, is somebody who in the slot probably has the best individual matchup against Jonathan Jones. Pro Football Focus has that as a positive 11% matchup. Somebody who's in the slot the far majority of the time, seeing a 16% target share right now and top eight overall in catch rate. He has the sure hands, Randall Cobb. These three Texans receivers, as you can see them on the screen right now, are the guys that I like getting to a good amount in stacks. So that's why they're all yeses. You can see a couple of Pittsburgh receivers. Claypool expects to be lower owned, probably because he's more expensive than Deontay. It's just a $200 difference. Right now, Deontay Johnson is coming in with a lot more ownership as it stands. 24% ownership for Deontay Johnson to chase Claypool's 15%. If that's going to hold, I'd rather just pay $200 more for the guy who's a much better, I would say, red zone weapon in Chase Claypool. And then to look even more, Juju Smith-Schuster at this point is also picking up uh, about 13% owned. So if, if they're all going to be that close, but Deontay Johnson is by far getting the most ownership, I would prefer Claypool there. You can see some of these Pittsburgh wide receivers are on the screen right now. Claypool was likely to have a matchup as it stands right here. I have in my notes against CJ Henderson. But as of early this morning, the Jacksonville Jaguars put their rookie standout cornerback, or at least they say standout. I don't think so. They put him on the IR. So this is going to be an even better matchup for these Steelers wide receivers. If you're not going to James Conner's lineups, the 16% target share in the red zone for Chase Claypool. He's overall has 16 deep targets this year. And this guy wasn't even getting starter snaps until like week four or five. And he's still top 10 in overall uh, air yards. He's still top 10 right now when it comes to touchdowns. Nine overall is fantastic to see. And his fantasy points per target, seven. So when you have a lot of touchdowns, that's normally the case. You can see the matchup for Deontay Johnson, likely going to see some Sidney Jones. Juju in the slot, likely going to see some Trey Herndon. Juju has been coming on 20 plus point, 15 plus point weeks, like every single week for a month now, very quietly as it stands. So if you're not going to any James Connors lineups, there's some merit to be stacking. Although I don't like Big Ben. He had a big game last week and he's had back-to-back nice games now. There's some merit to be getting to some mini stacks from this game. If you're not going to go Big Ben, maybe you go with Chase Claypool and run it back on the opposite side with James Robinson, a pivot off of uh, a chalky DeAndre Swift, stuff like that to try and get to some mini stacks that don't include a quarterback. 
It's nice to see that Juju is now above 15 fantasy points per game. It's nice to see that Deontay Johnson has 10 plus targets in five of his eight games this year. And in two of those games, he left the game in like the first quarter. So there's only been one game this year where he's been healthy that he actually hasn't seen 10 plus targets. And even in that game afterwards, they said that he had tweaked his hamstring. So there's arguably a reason to say that in every five games or all five games, he's been fully healthy. He's seen 10 plus targets. So that's why his ownership is higher, but also his price points coming up. It's not yet expensive enough. And that's why the ownership is there. I do think that Robbie Anderson is still firmly in play. Even if PJ Walker plays, I do think that DJ Moore is a fine play. I prefer Robbie Anderson because I think he's more of the alpha and he's running routes all over the field now, as opposed to when he was just a straight line downfield sprinter for the Jets. He'll see some of Amani, I believe a former Penn Stater. I could be wrong on that one. A positive 16% matchup though for Anderson this week. He'll see some Justin Coleman and Trufant on the outside. No matter what, it's going to be a fine matchup. He's number 11 in routes run. They're running a ton of routes. They have not been running normal fast plays that they have uh, like the first month of the season, these last two weeks. I think a lot of that has to just do with opponent. I don't think that's going to stand up all that much. So I do think you're going to get a lot of upside out of Robbie Anderson more weeks than not. Even if it is PJ Walker out there because Robbie Anderson has just been that good. We just need to see more than like 55 plays run. Once he gets back up to like the 70 plus plays that they were running at the beginning of the year, that's where three or four more targets, two or three more receptions come in for Robbie Anderson. And he starts actually hitting these 17 point fantasy projections that I have right now for him. We talked about Zeke a little bit, but my favorite cowboy to actually play this week would be Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is going to be in a very nice spot, especially when you factor in that he's going to get Andy Dalton back, who he was good with. In one full game with Andy Dalton, seven catches, 79 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. That's very good to see. He's averaging 9.2 targets per game. He has a positive 18% matchup this week against Jones. I like Amari Cooper, who's just $5,400 this week. Way, 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 way too cheap. A couple more guys we want to get to. The only guy from the Colts I even want to look at this week is Michael Pittman. Decent. He's my number one runback option outside of maybe Naeem Himes, but it would be Pittman and runbacks of those Packers stacks. He has a positive matchup. You're going to get Jair Alexander likely back this week. I think he probably goes on T.Y. Hilton. Either way, though, even if he goes on Pittman, I still think it's fine from a size advantage. Positive 6% matchup if he faces Josh Jackson. And in the last two games, since he's been fully healthy, he's been Philip Rivers' go-to guy. 11 catches, 157 yards on 15 targets, and he has a 20-yard rush as well. Expect Jacoby Myers to regress at some point, but that point is definitely not this exact moment as it stands. He'll likely face Bradley Roby, positive 17% matchup for him. He's been lining up everywhere, 45% out wide, 45% in the slot so far this season, and he's just been an absolute monster. 23 receptions on 31 targets over his last three games. He's number two in his small sample in yards per route run, only behind Justin Jefferson at 3.18. He threw a touchdown last week. He's seeing over a 27% target share, which is elite. It's hard to ignore that Jacoby Myers is like the only guy that's actually getting open and producing in the passing game for this team. And now has a fantastic matchup against Houston. So Jacoby Myers firmly in play for me. And then my final guess will be a cheap shot. I will talk about some more cheap shot guys down here as well. But right now, Denzel Mims, Joe Flacco has been targeting downfield a ton right now since he's been playing. And now Joe Flacco starts again. Joe Flacco leads the NFL in deep attempts per game with 16 in his three starts. That's very good to see. He's throwing downfield. He has over 300 air yards in all three of his starts. And that's going to help guys like Perriman, like you saw in the last game, but also Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims right now will have a negative spot if he sees Casey Hayward, who only allows a 43% catch rate, but I think he'll move into the slot enough that it'll be okay. And the other reason is he's just 3.3K. He has four catches for 62 yards on 162 air yards in his first game with Flacco uh, in that last game. So I do like to see those air yards, 162. If he sees anywhere near 100 plus again, he's going to continue to produce. And even if he just has that same game, four for 62, at this $3,300 price tag, we'll take those 10 fantasy points, then pay up with whatever we want at running back and pay up wherever else we want at the wide receiver position. He would be the one pay down option at wide receiver that I actually like this week the most. But there is a couple other ones that we could just name drop real quickly before finishing up the show with the tight ends. So if you're watching on YouTube, there's a lot of other wide receivers I have interest in, right? Guys that will be in my stacks, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. I talked about having interest in Matt Ryan. I have interest in both of those guys as well. Just pick one of them, pair them up probably with Hayden Hurst and go on from there in your Matt Ryan stacks. Keenan Allen, we know we like Justin Herbert. So Keenan Allen's in play as well from stacking. So these guys are all my player pool. Terry McLaurin, T Higgins, DJ Moore, right? Uh, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, Alan Lazard. A lot of these 
these guys will be stacks. Some other cheaper options that I think have upside, obviously, Brashad Perriman. We saw Jakeem Grant run a lot of routes again in another season high in snaps last week with no Preston Williams still out there. Price point comes up $500, but still firmly in play for me as one of my highest point per dollar plays on the entire slate at $3,500. Jalen Guitlin will be in some stacks as well for me. He's going to be somebody that just gets into those stacks in terms of uh, not being somebody I have high ownership towards, but maybe like three or four lineups with him in my Herbert stacks. And then Kenny Gotti returned to practice. He missed weeks nine and 10 with his hip injury. He's questionable for this week, but he returned. He's seen a 20% target share. He's averaging 16.9 yards per target and he's sixth in yards per route run. When he's healthy, he's been good and I'll have a good matchup against Carolina at $5,800. Let's finish the show out with the tight end position. And once again, check out the sponsor of the show, Jock Market. Link down below. Take a couple seconds of your time. Just go download the app right now, Jock Market, J-O-C-K-M-K-T. Those are two separate words, the M-K-T being the space. And go download Daily Fantasy Sports Becomes a Stock Exchange. Linked down below, promo code SAL10, S-A-L-1-0. will get you that nice little bonus, a little 10 free dollars for you to play with in Jock Market and start growing your asset and collections. If you think you know sports, if you think you know sports at all right now, and if you're watching this, I'm sure you know sports somewhat, take advantage of actually owning stocks and players and growing your portfolio that way. Check it out. Link down below. Jock Market. Promo code SAL10 gets you a little bit of a nice little bonus for you. Now we finish out the slate with tight ends and no tight ends above $5,000. Mark Andrews, the most expensive at $4,900, coming off of one of his best games in a while with nine targets. But we'll start with Hunter Henry. I like him in stacks. I like him in general here. He's seen six or more targets in seven out of his nine games. He's had four plus receptions in three straight games in four of his last five. He's basically top eight or top five in a lot of metrics. 31 routes per game is top seven, seventh overall. 6.4 targets per game is fourth amongst all tight ends, but he's not even priced near some of those guys that are usually in like the 5K range. He's been very consistent. Finally found the end zone last week. I continue to expect him to put up these points, but the guy that I probably like the most on the entire week, and these guys are picking up average ownership. Nobody's really spiking off with insane ownership at the tight end position as it seems right now. There's one guy that we could talk about that's maybe being punted on a little bit more than I thought, and we could chat on that in a second after we talk about my favorite play right now, who is Hayden Hurst. As of Friday's ownership, it looks good. He'll face some Demario Davis and some of these linebackers from the opposing Saints team. 5% matchup advantage, it's fine. He's being used in the slot a ton. Six overall in the NFL. That's elite. That's fantastic to see. He's been using used a ton just in general. Sixth in routes run. He's been seeing a lot of targets. Over the past month, his targets have been seven, basically seven plus on average per week. He's top three in air yards for tight ends. He's number five in yards after the catch. He's just been damn efficient and he's showing his athletic ability that he tested at the combine with. So at $4,400, yes, I love him in stacks. I love him in Atlanta stacks. I love him in runbacks of Saints stacks with full on five man game stacks here. This game environment is good. And as a slight underdog, he's the number two overall tight end in separation only behind Robert Tonyan on the slate with 3.9 yards of separation right now on average. So I like Caden Hurst a lot. Austin Hooper's fine. Weather game last week is going to get a lot of people probably off of him. I still think some people get to him at the same price point, maybe becomes like eight or 9% owned, but I'm fine getting back there. Logan Thomas is a yes, but this is the guy who's picking up a lot of ownership at just $3,300. Now he's not gonna have the greatest individual matchup against Von Bell, but in general against Cincinnati, he will. Now he's number two in overall tight end routes run. He's been fantastic. He's run 93% of routes on dropbacks of his quarterbacks, and he's been decent as of late with Alex Smith, last week putting up over 10 fantasy points yet again, and back-to-back games now doing so with Alex Smith. After that, just a hodgepodge of tight ends from Noel Pham to Eric Ebron to Dallas Goddard. I do think Dalton Schultz has a lot of sneaky upside. He's been consistently good with some of the worst quarterbacks that you've ever seen play the game, like Ben DiNucci. Now, he's not going to have the greatest matchup against Kendricks, who allows just 0.79 yards per cover out to tight ends, but he's seen a 14% target share, and he's seen five plus targets in three of his last four games. And now in his last two games with Gilbert and also Danucci, 10 catches, 101 yards on 15 targets. Look, if you're going to get 10 fantasy points, that's what his average is over these last two weeks with terrible quarterback play. That's pretty damn good at your price point of 3,600. And now a better matchup with a better quarterback coming into play. And his one week with Andy Dalton, he went four catches, 35 yards on five targets in week six. So that's decent and encouraging to see. Other than that, some punt options for me would be Robert Tonyan at $3,200, whose target share has gone down in a sane amount since Devontae Adams has returned. But he has a very positive matchup uh, against a linebacker 
linebacker who gives up 1.62 yards per cover. He's averaging top five overall average target distance down the field and leads all tight ends in separation. So at $3,200, he's firmly in play for me. Cole Tabman good against tight ends though. And then another punt option is just Tyler Eifert at this point. Tyler Eifert continues to see targets. I believe Tyler Eifert has seen four or more targets in five straight games now. Tyler Eifert is somebody that I'm fine getting to at his low price point. I expect three or four receptions out of him somewhere around that mark. And he's very cheap. I probably wanted the upside of Robert Tonyan's downfield usage for the Packers being targeted way downfield where Eifert is not and also just straight up better quarterback play and a better matchup than Pittsburgh that Eifert has. So I prefer Tonyan if you're punting, let's say below $3,500 and want to get away from the chalky Logan Thomas. So thank you so much for tuning into the week 11th closing thoughts show. Hopefully you got really hit hard, but you're feeling good about yourself in a positive way. It's like soreness after you go to the gym, you're feeling good, right? You're like, ah, this hurts, but I know I'm not injured, right? I'm just a little bit sore because I did a positive thing right now. That's what the schmack of this information is going to be for you. So thank you so much. A little bit of an outlook on the week. Noon today comes our monkey knife fight prop show. You can check that out. Dylan Bird's going to be releasing that Saturday, tomorrow, that one dude, week 11, and then Sunday morning, the live show, as well as the Patreon show, uh, Closing Thoughts podcast that you get, the GPP strategy show if you are a patron. And then next week's Thanksgiving, a lot of content coming out for Thanksgiving specifically. I'm going to be loading a bunch of it up on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and scheduling it for the five days of the week because I'll be traveling. But then I'll also be doing some shows for my parents' house, so maybe a little bit of different lighting. But I'm excited. Thanksgiving is maybe uh, one of my favorite times, if not my favorite time of the entire year. So I'm excited for that. Before you go, like and subscribe. Support the sponsor of the show, Jock Market. Get that deposit bonus with promo code SAL10 that you can see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And also check out Patreon, link down below. Come join the community of over 600 strong over there. Patreon's just dominating uh, these DFS lobbies right now. Thank you, everybody, and I'll see you in the next one.